0: Diffuser. Everybody stand by, and action. The home of alternative and independent rock and roll, Diffuser is the place where music fans come to talk. Join the conversation. This is Diffuser Radio. Diffuser Radio.
1: My name is Chuck Armstrong, and I am the editor-in-chief of Diffuser.fm. In this episode of Diffuser Radio, we chat with independent musician and Queens-based singer-songwriter Matt Susich, and we'll even spin his brand new track, Mirages, but, before we get into that conversation, another Diffuser Radio Roundtable has to kick off, and that means another hot topic of discussion.
0: You're listening to Diffuser, where we don't just cover the news, we are the news. This is the Diffuser Roundtable.
1: If you've been keeping an eye on Diffuser.fm recently, you've likely seen a conversation sprout up, specifically between two of our writers, Tim Karen, our senior editor, and Chris Kissel, one of our weekly columnists. Tim asserts that we will never have another music scene quite like Seattle, thanks mainly to the advent of the internet. Chris, on the other hand, he doesn't blame the internet, he blames us, music fans, the public. But he thinks there is still hope for local music scenes, and that is the topic of discussion here. In addition to both Tim and Chris on this roundtable, Mark Curdo is joining us. Mark handles nights on one of my favorite radio stations, WCYY in Portland, Maine. And he's also the host of that station's new and local music show, Spin Out. You can find him at WCYY.com. But before we kick things off, let's go around the table and say hello. Hey, this is Tim. I'm calling from
2: glamorous Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
3: Hey, this is Chris, and I am calling from rainy overcast Seattle, Washington.
0: Hey, this is Mark from Portland, Maine. L.L. Bean lobster and stephen king what up
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah those are the those are the only things that come out of portland
0: that's it i I couldn't come up the fourth now all
1: right well thank you guys uh very excited to have you on this round table Uh, i had a lot of fun reading these columns and uh, they generated some good conversations uh between us between me and a few friends and i know between you the reader i've seen a lot of comments flying around online about both columns uh, so, Tim, let's start with you, man. Let's lay the uh, groundwork for this conversation. Sure.
2: Well, you know, I mean, I guess if I could go back, I would change the title of my story to uh, How the Internet Killed Music Scenes as We Knew Them. Because um, I don't necessarily think that we won't ever have another music scene. I mean, the story came about after I wrote two pieces one was on uh, ranking all of REM's albums, and the other was on underrated grunge musicians. And while I was researching them, it became kind of clear to me that, you know, there will likely never be another purely grassroots driven word of mouth scene like Athens in the early 80s. And there might never need to be such an intense geographically focused label and feeding frenzy like there was in Seattle, you know, because the Internet has changed communication and the concept of physicality. And when I say Internet. (laughs) like <laughs> yeah you know, when I heard Chris was gonna write a rebuttal to what I wrote I assumed it was gonna be the internet didn't kill music scenes they're alive and well you know not the internet didn't kill music scenes we did because you know I'm saying that too I mean we're the internet it's just a tool you know it would be like if I wrote a story called how highways have ruined the beauty of North America and then someone says don't blame the highways you know like they sprout up on their own we build the highways and we use them yeah you know, I refer to the internet as a monster but I mean that abstract, you know, it's not like the matrix using binary code while we're asleep to ruin album sales. you know what I mean
1: <laughs> yeah, no that's a fair point um I don't i I didn't really think of the matrix when I read your piece, uh, but I get that uh and you know, Chris, when you put together your column, uh it seemed like you wrote with a little bit more uh, optimism uh, for local music scenes,
3: yeah, well, basically, I just wanted to. Defend the supercomputers from t- Tim. I thought he was being really unfair to them, um, but actually, I, I agree with most of what Tim was saying. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I think it's a really good take on why you don't see music scenes forming the way that they used to. What I think is, you know, what, the reason why I say we did it, or the reason why I, you know, I I want to kind of put the blame on people who love music and people who are involved in local scenes is because just because there isn't the kind of necessity that there used to be around releasing local music and doing sort of a do-it-yourself model for labels and empowering local musicians and getting venues to host a lot of local bands. You know, just because that's not a, a necessity of the business anymore doesn't necessarily mean, well, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing it. And I think There's a potential for more people who love music and want to be involved in developing music to look to local bands to try to support local bands and try to get local groups to band together the way that you know that was really the you know really the genesis of the Seattle scene. I mean, not to not to go too uh, not to keep going on to to get too historical about it, but you know when you know Bruce Pavitt, the you know one of the founders of Sub Pop, his goal. You know What he'd been working on for years and years was basically building a vital local scene because he cared about the culture and because having a vital scene makes a city a better place to live and it improves your quality of life. And so just because it's easier to discover bands from out of town and because it's really easy to market yourself to people on the Internet doesn't mean that people shouldn't be intentional about building up local scenes.
1: You know, Mark, uh, I've had the pleasure of visiting Portland, Maine and spending some time there a few times, and I love it. I love the town. And there definitely seems to be a vibrant local music scene of sorts. And it seems like you would be very connected to it. One, just being on the radio and being part of that local scene. But also, I mean, you literally are part of the music scene as you host the local music show
0: you know they have there is uh there has been for a while up here um you know for for people that aren't as familiar with portland besides the three uh stereotypes that i gave about maine earlier um you know it's a smaller area i mean we're talking seventy five thousand uh within portland and just some of the surrounding areas so we're talking a little bit more of a smaller sample size here so for us to um relate to the label thing and growing a massive massive scene it's a little tough for us here only because we're small operation we've never really had uh, a label situation here in portland we've had some smaller you know attempts at it i i actually had a label for about um you know about seven or eight years myself i put out 10 releases but i mean even with that it was i love i love music i love these bands i believed in them I uh, had a couple bucks to press up some CDs, so let's, let's make a go at it, uh, which is the way it should be. I think that's what how, how all record labels should be. They should be run by music fans and people that understand things. But uh, aside from myself and some other people in the past 10 years, there really has never been labels that have really come through. And, um, um, you know, I, I have a... Um, I have a feeling that when you have a label uh, or when you have someone putting a scene together, it kind of uh, excludes a lot. I guess, again, with us being a small scene up here, you don't want to see it just be this genre or this style or going in this direction. We're lucky in Portland to really have a wide variety up here of a lot of things. Um, you know, in the 90s, we definitely had a little bit more of a rock situation going on. And there was always whisperings that Portland was like going to be a, a baby Seattle because we were by the water. People up here are pissy. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, great local beer and coffee. And and it was art based and it's cold. So uh, we had a lot of rock bands. You know, we had a band called Twisted Roots that, you know, was getting a lot of attention. And, and so um, but as we moved on, I mean, We've got great hip-hop. There's a, a collective called Anticon that came out of uh, Portland area and ended up moving to the Bay Area. And they were pretty good operation. They're all from here. We've had some good punk bands. We've got a, a good roots rock scene up here. Um, so for us to have a label and have a specific scene, I don't know if that would have been the best thing for us up here. It's just better that we just have... All kinds of great stuff, you know?
1: Well, and yeah, and Chris, you know, you had mentioned sub-pop. Obviously, sub-pop was with a very specific genre when it started out, but it's evolved. You know, today, it's got everything you talked about, Mark. It's got rock, hip-hop. It really runs the gamut. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But, you know, we don't look to sub-pop to define a local scene anymore. We really just, we really look at it as this historic indie label. Though, you know, I do wonder if something on a smaller scale like today's sub-pop could exist in Portland or any market, any small town, any big town, any market USA, a label that defines a local music scene or a city rather than defining a genre, because today's definition of a city is that eclectic music scene. Chris, do you think a record label or two or three or four would benefit a city like Portland, Maine, or do you think it's not necessary?
3: Well, it's, you know, labels are largely a marketing thing. Um, I think they're a marketing thing, and they're a way to sort of mobilize people so that they can sort of help, so that bigger bands can help market smaller bands. And ultimately, when you're talking about that kind of marketing, you're talking about taking your scene and exporting it. Um, And I think what Mark is saying, which which is cool, is that, you know, if you live in Portland, there's a lot of great local music. You can go see a, a diverse set of local bands. And it's a pretty satisfying experience. Um, But maybe there's not one label that's spearheading it, or maybe it's not like poised to explode, which I think when we say label, you know, scenes don't exist anymore, we're talking about the kind of scenes that could come to change the conversation in American music. And so ultimately, like, when we're talking about labels doing the kind of thing that Sub Pop did, it's not just like making your scene more vibrant, which is a part of it, but it's packaging it all together and exporting it out of your your city and taking your sound so to speak which may just be like because one producer who produces a lot of local records does a certain thing or a couple of bands sound similar and are kind of the front runners that sound becomes uh it comes to inform if you're successful what american music sounds like so ultimately like yes you can have a great local scene with a lot of awesome different kinds of music and not have this kind of mobilizing marketing force that is a successful local label but if we're talking about Seattle and you know Washington D.C. and these labels that sort of change the course of American music, we're talking about these kind of marketing engines that people developed to to kind of push these bands out of the city. Yeah. First, hey, I hey, need
0: the,
2: to say, so I'm not convinced that Chris isn't a robot. Like he really kind of sent the way that his phone's breaking up. He's, <laughs> 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 I'm not convinced you aren't a supercomputer yourself, man. <laughs>
3: I am. I'm programmed <laughs> to argue with you guys. <laughs>
2: right. yeah. well, hey, see, that you, was what you, I kept kind of saying, too, though. It's just, it's not really that these things can't exist anymore. It's just that they won't exist the way that they used to. You know, that late, like, I was kind of surprised that uh, Chris, your solution was to to build indie labels. One, because the first podcast that we did together was about how labels might not be necessary anymore. But two, I don't know. It's just labels are not what they were, because back in the 80s and 90s, they were much more important as aggregators and tastemakers, you know. They they still do that. Mm -hmm. They turn national or local bands into national bands, but it's just that they used to be, labels were the only way to even physically produce music for anybody outside of the area to hear. And then the other thing is that they would bundle together bands of similar aesthetics, like, you know, we love tidy little groupings, and you knew in 1991 that if you liked one sub-pop band, you probably at least kind of liked the next one. And that was because, you know, there were, in the record store, there was rock and then there was alternative. And alternative could be anything. So labels provided the subgenres before we really had them. And now, you know, with sub-pop bands from everywhere, Pandora has algorithms that will tell you whether or not, you know, if you like the Shins from New Mexico you probably will like Bell and Sebastian from Scotland, you know? So I guess it's just, it was basically, I was saying that we don't need that physicality anymore, that it's its all, its its it's been taken away. It's now it's just, it exists on the internet.
0: Well, and, and you know, in terms of the label thing too, I think, you know, uh, other things to consider is, you know, record labels were, um, uh, they're a financial resource. They're going to help press your record or, Uh, whatever, take some ads out in the local paper, spend some kind of money or whatever, right? So that's what bands are going to, whether they're signing with an independent label or some monster label, they need a machine, get the air quotes going, they need a machine in place to help them achieve these things and money does that and also that brain power and that experience. So even if you're down to a small label, um, all right, can you press up my CD, can you spend some money because I'm broke, Uh, I can't do it. And uh, you know so-and-so and you know him and you know that newspaper and you can get on that radio station and that's why I think a lot of those label a lot of these artists look to these labels and you know you're at a point now where I mean, I hate to say some cliche, but you know every all these artists have their own labels now. they're they're unf- unfortunately, I want to use that word, they're unfortunately having to be business and artist uh, more than ever. And they're figuring a lot of this shit out. They're dealing with labels. Uh, they're dealing with radio stations on their own. They're dealing with newspapers on their own. they're ma- they're pressing up their seven inch or their CDs on their own. and uh, who's a better you know boss than than yourself? You know what you want and don't want. And I think at the same time we're also in a, in a in a period where the industry is such a mess that I think you get a lot of artists that aren't trusting people anymore, and um, they would rather just pull these shots on their own. If they're gonna if they're gonna take a swing at it, might as well you know try and do some of this stuff on their own. And um, you know, I mean, it's just it's unfortunate because I also think that I think at least up here right now. Um, I think I think the state of the industry in, in the music world and record labels and all. I think it's it's getting uh, to a point where you got a lot of people that are frustrated and they're pulling back their bat and they're not swinging as much or they're just staying in the dugout. I think I think the scene is definitely um, has got a lot of people down and second second thinking, making an attempt at trying to to do this because, man, if it was a miracle to get a deal or to achieve in the music industry years ago, now for, I mean, forget it. <laughs> you know what. You know, and depending on what your definition of achieve is, I guess. Well, I, you know, that's that's a lot of
3: what I was trying to say in my piece was it's um, it's easy to do it on your own. It's almost too easy. Uh, it's easy and hard. I mean, it's like you said, unfortunately, like, if you want to be your own label, if you want to do everything yourself, you can. I mean, if you want to be a working musician, that's going to mean probably... Uh, two-thirds of your time is spent, you know, doing your own marketing efforts and stuff like that, but you can do it. And sometimes that ends up being the easy way to do it. And I feel like, yes, like Tim said, labels to a large extent don't do nearly as much as they used to. But one thing they do, and what I think is the biggest potential for them, is to bring local artists together and say, like, you're, maybe you're a local artist that doesn't really know how to the market itself or you're a local artist who could do a really great job opening for this artist that's much bigger than you and yeah. you end up labels end up being this force that kind of strengthens the the music community
0: you know and I just i just want to throw this in there in case we get cut off at some point like i i I, uh, I, I, what both of you guys said, I, I, I get uh, points in both. I, uh, I blame, um, you know, I think technology is a beauty and a beast. It's been great for the industry and it's killed it. I think also, um, I think, uh, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, it was made clear in, in one of these articles that it's, it's down to fans too. And it's down to those people, you know, because, you can have, you know, i look at one band up here in, in, in Maine, one of, of a couple that have had a similar situation where they had good sales, bringing a lot of people out to shows, they got some press, they got a little airplay, they had more than a buzz going on here. And, uh, you know, uh, things just weren't working out. So, I mean, even even sometimes even when you have everything lined up and you have all these great things going in your way, it doesn't always doesn't always click, right? Um I think fans are a major part. You, you gotta, there's, there's that. Fans have to be there for you. And I think that they're so ADD now, and there's so much stuff coming at them left and right that uh, it's tough to maintain their focus, and it's tough for them to get them to come to the next gig. Um, and then the other thing I think that can combat this, guys, for me, um, I'm a big believer in, no matter what state the industry is in, if you got great songs, if you got great records and great bands, that towers over everything. You know, people want good music. People are going to find good music and I'm not coming up with the solutions on how to get that all done with what gadget to use or what app to use to get it to people. But if you have great music, um, I still think there's always hope.
1: Yeah. I think that's a perfect point because when we're talking about all these local music scenes, I mean, I think the four of us or most people listening can agree that having a vibrant local music scene is a good thing. Like you said in the very beginning, Tim, those are still around. They just look completely different than they did in the 80s and 90s. But let's take a step back. Everything looks different. It's not unique to the music industry. It's not unique to local music scenes. With the advent of the Internet, social media, every every industry has changed and it's evolved and and things have had to adapt. There will always be music scenes. You know, that's that is something that hasn't changed. And specifically what hasn't changed is that those music scenes get supported by the fans. Like you said, Mark, if there's a good if if there's good music, if there are good records, if there are good shows, these music scenes won't go anywhere. The thing that I'm curious about and the thing that I think we're all wondering about is will that local part of the music scene, matter? Or will it only matter if a band plays music XYZ rather than this band is from Portland?
3: Well, uh, Tim makes a point in his article that a lot of this, like, oh, I'm going to listen to a band because it's from Seattle, is just like a marketing ploy. So Mm -hmm. ultimately, uh, I think it's, you know, just because you can stamp a band with a name of a city doesn't mean that, you know, that that was not, I don't know that that was always, like, uh, a meaningful way to market a band, even though it was like a trendy way to market a band. But I do think so. I, I think ultimately, like what what we want is for these scenes to be enriching to local people, and for like at their best to make a positive effect on you know American mainstream culture. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and if that's a label that can do that, you know, that can bring those artists together, that's great. Maybe it's a local coalition. Maybe it's a regional organization. But I like how you frame that, Chris. You know, you talk about local music, but kind of the bigger picture, how does that affect American music? That overall nationwide taste, that conversation that's happening uh, across state lines. You know, human beings make that impact. Human beings make that change more so than, you know, algorithms found in Pandora, like you said, Tim. Uh, but, guys, I think we have to call it a day. You know, always with these roundtable discussions, I think we could chat for another four hours and probably not solve anything and just create more problems for everyone uh, For everyone listening. But I really appreciate your time. Tim and Chris Kissel, Mark Curdo. It's always a pleasure taking a topic and uh, trying to di- dissect it with you guys. You know, for me, more than anything, uh, it's, it's a pleasure because I'm a fan. You know, I think we're all fans. So I think that uh, just sharing this insight hearing what you guys have to say i think that can play a bigger role in that conversation too uh they the conversation that's happening in local record stores at concerts uh, or you know right here online so thank you guys so much uh, coming up we chat with matt susich singer songwriter out of new york city and we're going to hear his new track mirages
0: this is diffuser hosted by editor-in-chief chuck armstrong
1: Another episode of uh, Diffuser Radio, and we just had a fascinating roundtable about local music scenes, Uh, and so I'm very excited to extend that conversation with a local musician in New York City, um, Queens-based Matthew Sousage, a singer-songwriter who I've had the pleasure of uh, knowing for five years now, actually. Um, and he has released two albums in the last few years and just shared a new track called mirages uh, and which is hopefully the sign of a new album in the works Uh, but ahead of that uh, you know matt i think uh, i've had the pleasure of not only getting to know you but listening to your music and and uh, seeing you live and i've got to say like as a local musician as a local musician, you seem very uh, do it yourself, mm-hmm. which can't be easy in New York City.
4: Uh, <laughs> I, I would say it's not. I don't. I don't know what it's like anywhere else. Yeah. So I can't compare it. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I think it's actually pretty. I mean, it's pretty easy. And maybe I'm, um, maybe I'm biased because I have. I think I have a skill set that allows me to be more in-house than other people so like I have an ability to you know prepare and create my own press materials and you know um, and just a a lot of experience in the industry from a, pre- a previous day job to know where to put my eggs what yeah. basket you know what I mean yeah um, there are there are, I think there are things that you just and again there's plenty that I learned in the past five years too uh, to not to, to not do and I won't do again but um, it's It's not that hard I guess um, it's not hard to do. let me just make that clear it's not it's not like I'm getting an incredible response because I'm in new york um, it's just I, th- I find that it's pretty easy to do these things um, and to me, things that seem obvious a lot of people don't get um, yeah, and so I think there's a i guess I guess it all comes down to the skill set and the things that I have uh been able to stockpile and learn how to do over the years.
1: Sure. So how did you, how did you get into it? Like, have you, for as long as you remember, always wanted to
4: make music? No, um, I, I was, you know, I wasn't playing guitar until I was in college. Um, and so, you know, my entire childhood and I mean, I grew up with music, but I wasn't, I I didn't make it. We did, I did (laughs) piano lessons and I was, you know, at a young age, for like five years, and I quit those as soon as I was old enough to say I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and I took guitar lessons on my ninth birthday. My parents got me guitar lessons, and I did like two lessons. And the guy, the guy looked like um, one of the, one of the, um, what's the song? More than words.
1: Uh, extreme?
4: Extreme, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The long hair. I mean, he looked exactly like one of those guys, <laughs> and he was trying to teach me, I, I feel like he was just trying to teach me something that I didn't want to learn. And I didn't, I didn't know, I was like, nah, this isn't for me. And I still have that guitar, I still have this like young, like this nylon string guitar, but um, I didn't pick up another guitar for another uh, nine years. <laughs> and then, um, it, was, it was like a spark, but I still didn't write a decent song until I was, <laughs> you know, in my late 20s. Yeah. So it took, you know, there was a long time of me sucking.
1: <laughs> and now you've released two full length albums, mm-hmm. uh, a seven inch, mm-hmm. sharing new music in 2015. Yeah. Um, what is your view on like being a local musician? So you, I know you weren't part of the round table, uh, but on Diffuser, we publish a couple columns mm-hmm. uh, about local music and specifically, you know, one column that kind of spurred this conversation, uh, examined, you know, will there ever be another Seattle? Right. You know, with the advent of the internet, are labels like Sub Pop or Saddle Creek are they uh as important as they were a decade ago or two decades ago?
4: Um I I don't know if they were as important. Um or if they are as important. I think they are still very important, especially labels like that for artists like myself. Um, if a, if an independent label or a smaller like boutique label were to get behind an artist like me, it would it would definitely go very far from my standards. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not again like we've talked off mic about how I'm not you know not the next Ed Sheeran. You know, I'm not that type of artist. We're not yeah. looking at like arena tours and things like that. Um, but when you look at venues like Bowery Ballroom and those sizes, Irving Plaza and like those kind of venues across the country, those are dominated by labels like Sub Pop and such. Sure. Um, and I think I think that's incredibly important today still, even though a lot of things are DIY, you know, you can only take yourself so far as a, as a DIY artist and then somebody like Sub Pop comes along and picks you up because you've shown what you can do, you know? Um, and I think that the local scene is very important still. I actually use that um, analogy very often about the Seattle thing. Yeah. Um, when I talk to people, we ha- I have a, a, a small group of friends that, um, when I started playing uh, five years ago out um, in New York at Cafe Vivaldi, it was an open mic on Monday nights, and um, it was it was a, gr- a very, very tight group of people that we became, we became fast friends, mm-hmm. and we became, like, um, you, you get creatively you know, spurred by one another, and there's challenges, and you know there are, there are songwriter challenges that come about um, out of discussion, you know, just out of things like that. And each week you're trying to impress one another, and you're getting this like instant response. You like every you couldn't wait for Monday because you're going to show off your new song for friends, or um, it just became a scene that was cultivated real quick, and it made me think about you know think about like CBGB, like when that was oh, yeah. when that was a scene. Yeah. I don't think that was a scene for very long. You know, just because I think that there are there are scenes a lot like what we had at Vivaldi all over the country, and just because they don't produce rock stars, you know, because rock stars aren't produced the way they were the way they were back then, um, just because they don't produce somebody who's going to bring attention to that scene, doesn't mean they don't exist. You know, yeah. it's like if a tree falls, kind of thing. Sure, like the scenes are there, and I think it's still very important locally yeah. to have that kind of. Competition
1: and if anything it might be even easier to know they exist because of the internet absolutely right like when Sub Pop Created they didn't create the scene, but when they really supported that scene Mm -hmm. and defined it uh, for Seattle It might have who knows how it would have Exploded or not if the internet existed
4: right and I mean it might have killed it And yeah, I mean well the fact is it definitely killed it. It might have killed it faster Yeah, you know if the internet existed and um, you know uh, a rock band, one rock band came out of that scene. Instantly, you're getting, you know, you're drawing flies to a flame. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's, um, it's gonna, it's gonna explode faster with the internet. And the thing is, now it's oversaturation. That's the, that's like the key thing about today is that there's so much of everything everywhere. Right. And so you go to any city, you're gonna find multiple open mics, and you could Google when you get to town where the nearest open mic is, and you could, it's hit or miss. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. You may even get, you know, you may even get a bum night at a really good open mic, but you're in town for two weeks and you go to one and it sucks, you know, and that's a that lasting impression in your head. Yeah. I remember my first open mic before I, before I, I had like, I'm going to call it before 2010, like it was just pre, pre 2010 and post 2010, <laughs> my life was completely different as a musician. And pre 2010, I went to an open mic once, um, and it was a sidewalk cafe and it was a horrible experience. Um, and If I wasn't confident yet, this didn't help. You know, like (laughs) this was, I didn't even play. I was there for five hours. I never got called because the system was so rigged, whatever, Um, and I just never went back. I was like, this sucks, I'm out. So we left it in the middle of the night. It was still plenty of time to go. and that was my experience with that open mic and I left, it, it left a stain in my, you know, like, yeah. I never I never went back to that open mic. So what, but you didn't quit. I didn't that. quit. well I did not quit. Well, I didn't quit because I didn't have a chance to be criticized for my music because I didn't play. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was, I left, uh, I ended up writing a whole new batch of music that suddenly I was confident in and that's the post-2010 era. Yeah. Um, and so, when that happened for me, um, things changed and I, you know, It didn't become, it didn't become like a, Oh, I should do this. It became an, I need to do this. You know, I had suddenly had a bunch of songs and it wasn't like, Oh, I think I want people to hear these. It was like, I need people to hear these and I want, I'm ready to show my face and do something. And so instead of making excuses why I couldn't go to an open mic, I made excuses like why I had to, (laughs) And I went to an open mic and it was the best thing, you know, it was the best experience at that time. And, um, I think open mics are really important and that, and, in cultivating a scene there become clicks it becomes a lot like high school you know all oh, the guys from the you know open mic on in the west village versus the guys in the open mic from the east village you know <laughs> yeah, it's like there's yeah. a, there are weird clicks that happen but yeah. you know you find where your friends are and as long as you're open to meeting new people just get get out to as many as you can you know yeah
1: and it's not just open mics too i mean no, I and mean, no. you've created you know i mean you've built this band mm-hmm. that, that you're currently with that you're working on new music with that you're, you play shows with yeah um, and I assume that's all kind of grown out of this scene.
4: Yeah, hundred yeah. like, percent. nobody in my band went to that open mic. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, um, my friend Jamie, um, actually, her bass. I stole her bass player, and I, I can't say steal because he still plays with her. Um, but I, I got him from seeing him play with her, and everybody else came from him. And so he's been in, he's been the one constant since two thousand um, and ten, and that whole group of musicians are outstanding. And I've met everybody i met. And it's Rockwood Music Hall, you know, like that. You hang around there enough, you're gonna meet a lot, you're gonna see a lot of the same faces and good people and great musicians, you mm-hmm. know, and that is itself and it's, it's a scene. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if that's not written about in the future, as like, a you know, this era of Lower East Side, you know, New York music. Like that, that guy's got an empire. He, you know, he yeah, works absolutely. in the time I've gone, and that, that place was already around for a while when I showed up uh, five years ago but they were still only one stage. You know, a yeah. few months after my first gig there, they opened stage two, and then stage three. And now, the, you know, the bar, it's just—it's becoming, you know. It's taking over. It's I've... unmatched. Yeah. Yeah, and It's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like a, it's a constant music festival every day. Yeah. You know, you're getting shows every hour on the hour, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, for as much as you can take. Right, yeah. And that's not anywhere else. And they pass else. the bucket. And, that's, and it's free. Yeah, Most that's of the time it's free. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, that's, that's an important thing. And if you just yeah. go there and hang out, you're going to see somebody, you know, that you're going to have, Like if I went out by myself every night of the week to Rockwood, I would, each night I would have meaningful conversation with somebody. With, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So that is indicative of a scene right there. Yeah.
1: And not that it means anything to anyone <laughs> except me, but right. uh, <laughs> the first time I saw you was at Rockwood. Oh, right. right. Yeah. And now you've played, you know, Mercury Lounge, which is just around the corner, which I think is also a pretty iconic venue. Absolutely. Um, and obviously the Bowery Ballroom. yeah. Um, and you played across the states. And um, so I, I want to wrap this up, but before I do, you're going to let us play your new track, Yeah. Mirages, um, which you can listen to on diffuser.fm, but you can also listen to right here in a few minutes. Um, but before we play it, can you kind of give us uh, the story behind how this track came to be?
4: Um, well, the song was written I feel like I had, I had the, the most of the song in a different key for a long time and it was um, something that I had in like my voice memos on my phone that kept kind of surfacing. That's how I always know I have a song I want to keep is when I go back to something and I keep doing it like uh, almost, um, almost involuntarily like, oh, this is a song that just comes out of my hands when I pick up a guitar and I was playing it in this different key and then one day I changed the key. And that's and the song was, hundred percent, hundred percent different. And I was like, oh shit! Now it's now it needs to be done. So then I brought it to the I brought it to the band, and um, Kiyoshi and Sarah brought on this guitar piano line that um, is just beautiful together. And um, it just it, it kind of you know. And then everybody had added their little bit to it, and it just became this. It, it became a monster in my as far as I'm concerned. Like it just became one of my new favorite songs to play. Sweet.
1: So before we play it, how can uh, folks stay in touch with you?
4: Um, so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. Um, yeah, the, the internet as a whole. Uh, I mean, com is the hub. Everything can be linked to from there. Um, Instagram and Twitter, the fucking S Mateo. Yeah, Sorry, am I allowed <laughs> to curse on this? You are, yeah. <laughs> uh, some kid has Matt Susage and I haven't been able to get it from him and I was okay with the S, S. Mateo is like an old, uh, nickname. So, uh, E-S-M-A-T-T-E-O is the Instagram and Twitter and I'm pretty active on social media so yeah. uh, find me everywhere cool, thanks man thank you so much man
5: I'm seeing the rises up on the horizon I'm not sure what I can expect when I get beyond there and I'm learning to ride the thunder and night How to trust my other senses when I'm blinded Cause I'm in the middle of nowhere now And I need something real Or something to strive to And something to grab onto To struggle and fight to live and die with somebody Between the cracks of the mountains and the sky And how to trust just in what is up when I go blind Cause I'm in the middle of nowhere now And I need something real Something to strive to And something to grab onto To struggle
0: Listening to this episode of Diffuser Radio. Make sure you stay up to date with everything happening in the world of alternative and indie rock at diffuser.fm. Until next time, don't follow the leaders. Watch the parking meters.